Welcome, everybody, to Beyond the Shadows. I'm author and ghost story and Mike Ricksecker. Great show coming up for you tonight, Twins, Doubles, and Doppelgangers. This is basically a piggyback off of last night's upload to the Haunted Road Media YouTube channel in which we actually covered doppelgangers, the history thereof, and a lot of interesting, creepy, historic stories that I learned a lot here doing the research for this. But before we get to all that, we got to do this first. This episode of Beyond the Shadows brought to you by Haunted Road Roast. It helps you hunt ghosts. That's our coffee. You can find that at hauntedroadmedia.com. I know those listening to the podcast later can't actually see the bag of coffee, but you know, there it is up on the shelf. All right. Um, yes, we have our own coffee. It's great stuff. So um, I was drinking some earlier, but now I've switched to the unsweetened green tea because it's a little cooler and it's actually hot here in the studio right now. But we're not here to talk about green tea or coffee or any of that. We're here to talk about doppelgangers, these... Uh, it's interesting. So in this research that I've done, of course, when people think doppelgangers, they think of evil twins, um, these supernatural entities, you know, taking shape, you know, taking your shape, taking your form, impersonating you, this sort of thing, and doing nasty, evil, nefarious things. And what I discovered was that wasn't really necessarily the case in a lot of these different stories. So, um, I know that some people, before this even started from our last show, Edge of the Rabbit Hole, I think it was Pungai Fungi, right? Uh, they said it had some interesting comments about doppelgangers. And this is, I've, I've noticed this over um, the last several months. Of there, there have been some different comments and questions in the chat about this subject. So that's kind of why I went here uh, with this particular topic this week. So uh, if you haven't seen it yet, check out the haunted road media youtube channel watch that um because i kind of break down those stories boom 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 uh we even have one from our friend meg fisher that was really interesting out of her new book we'll get to that in a little bit here too and um because i i think that um i think that there's some interesting correlations between uh what people think doppelgangers are and what they may actually be in real life so um but we'll get to some of those kind of more historic things first, and I have the wrong photo here first. But this is you know, this is basically what uh, you know people think doppelgangers are. And I know the podcast you're not going to see these photos, so like the the creepy the creepy twins here, um, the anorexic girls really <laughs> they do look creepy. I think these are just twin girls in a historic photograph, but I've seen this one around the internet a lot used as a photo of doppelgangers. Um, but I don't really think that's the case of, uh, of what they are, but this is what people think they are. But a tragic historic case of what would be considered doppelganger, at least in his mind, Michael Cleary's mind. So the story of Michael and Bridget Cleary, we covered that uh, when we covered fairies because he believed that his wife was actually a fairy changeling. So the old myth and lore, sometimes fairies would kidnap a person and take them into the fairy realm. So through the portal in the fairy ring, they would grab the person and take them into the fairy realm. And then on this side, on our side of that portal, a, a fairy would take 
the shape and form of a human. So essentially the changeling, uh, quote unquote changeling, would actually be a doppelganger uh, of the person. And so therefore, Michael Cleary believed that his wife Bridget was essentially a doppelganger, was a fairy changeling, so uh, doppelganger for sure, and well, at least that's what he thought. He did kill her. So, um, you know, what happened there between what he was doing? I mean, he was abusing her to death. Um, She was set on fire. It's not known whether she was actually dead before he set her on fire or not. I guess that's like the question. So what actually did kill her? We don't know, but he did. Um, Apparently, one of these different things that he did to her, thinking that she was the doppelganger. and really what had happened is she had fallen very, very ill, and he, in his belief, with her illness and the way that she had, well, that she had been acting before the illness, and then the way she was acting during the illness, he just was like, this isn't my wife. This is a uh, this is a fairy changeling. And they actually, where their house was, was actually in an old ring fort area. And of course, there's a lot of legends and lore going back into the fairy lore, about how ring forts were supposed to be, you know, portals to the fairy realm, and so he believed that this happened to his wife, that the fairies got her, and replaced her with a doppelganger. And so he murdered her, unfortunately. That was in 1895. So I'm not chalking that up to a real doppelganger case, but that is what he believed. He believed that she was a doppelganger, that his wife was actually in the fairy realm and this fairy changeling had come and taken her place. And that's generally what we think of when we think of a quote-unquote doppelganger is that they are, you know, they are something supernatural, something otherworldly. They are not really human, but here they are impersonating us and taking that shape and form. Um, We have some questions here. So Quarantine Ghost is hitting me up, and if I could bring that up. Um, So like Sharon Lane, if you see your doppelganger, you will die, question mark, question mark. Um, No, (laughs) no. And we'll get into some of those stories because if uh, if that were true, then like in those stories that I presented uh, last night when I released that video on the Hunter Road Media channel, um, all those people would have died. Because their doppelganger was right there. In fact, a famous poet would have died. Goethe would have died, but he didn't. Um, so, and then Tracy Christian, do you think doppelgangers are real or urban myths? So I'm going to get into that, what I believe doppelgangers really are. And I don't believe that they are like Michael Cleary thought, that they are some supernatural being or creature that is taking the form of us here on in our world, on our plane of existence, um, you know, cohabitating here. And also, I want to throw this out there: this has nothing to do with celebrity lookalikes. Um, when, when, for that video yesterday, um, no longer using these people, but I outsourced that video uh, because I just I have a. I have a ton on my plate, and so, you know, it takes me a long, long time. You guys have no idea uh, the amount of time that I put into uh, editing those videos uh, that I put out every week. You know, basically, I can just chalk up a day of, of my life is gone 
um, just to do the editing on it. And that doesn't even get into, you know, the script that I have to write for it and the, uh, the actual release of that video and all that stuff. Um, so when I outsourced that video, the very first thing that they did is in the intro, they did like a whole bunch of celebrity lookalike uh, photos. And it's like, this is nothing of what the video is about. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so this is not about celebrity lookalikes and, you know, people looking like different celebrities and things like, no, no, that's just, that's just irony, you know, um, you know, over the years, I've been said that you look like this person, you look that like that person, and other people, you know, friends of mine, you look this person, that person. We're not getting into that. You know, this is about um, stories over the years, over the centuries of people who have uh, actually experienced their own their own doppelganger, their own double, their own lookalike, and these really interesting experiences and i think that they are something else other than another entity coming in to look like you or look like somebody that you know so i mentioned um goethe earlier so johann wolfgang von goethe so you know, famous poet um and he lived long after he saw his double so basically what was going on with him is he was traveling to Drosselheim. He was having an affair with a young woman, and he was going there to uh, to be with her. He was feeling kind of guilty about it, so he's kind of you know lost in thought as he's going along, traveling down the road, and you know all of a sudden he sees this man, um, you know, also traveling down the road, walking down the road in this gold trimmed gray suit and you know he thought it was an interesting looking man especially the gold trimmed gray suit and like oh okay that's that's kind of interesting but you know, kept going on to Drusselheim. years later eight years later he's traveling down the same road again and he realizes as he's looking at himself he's dressed in a gold trimmed gray suit and he's walking the same path that the man that he previously saw was walking. He realized, wait a minute, I saw myself. You know, I was my twin. I was my lookalike. Basically, he was his own doppelganger eight years later walking down the road. So this is where, you know, it's stories like this that makes me think that, well, doppelgangers aren't really like some other supernatural entity like a fairy that's kidnapping you and taking your shape and form he saw himself in some sort of time slip you know an eight-year gap and as he's you know going down the road he actually whatever crazy reason himself at one year and himself eight years later actually crossed paths in some sort of strange time slip now what kicked that off I don't know. I mean, heck, it could have been his anxiety or something, you know, kicked it off. I have no idea, but something did. And we'll see some more of those different things here as we go along. Um, yeah, Rick Gabbert, what would happen if someone runs into their own doppelganger? Nothing. See, that's the thing. That's the crazy thing. That's a, that is one of those crazy 
legends that's gone along with this that somebody along the way dumped into um, this whole thing about doppelgangers, that whole, if you see your doppelganger, you will die, that thing. It's a myth. Goethe, you know, witnessed his own doppelganger, you know, walking down the road. He saw himself walking down the road, but he didn't die. <laughs> that didn't happen. Um, you know, so you can run into your own lookalike and it's it's not like like the whole idea that if you go back in time and you interact with yourself then all of a sudden there's a crazy you know paradox and the entire universe explodes no that's just <laughs> um that's somebody's imagination running wild and they lump that into the story i believe that is the same here with um you know, with this idea that if you run into your own doppelganger, then you'll die. No, that's not going to happen. Um, you're just you're just witnessing witnessing yourself. So, um, and uh, quarantine ghost Mike, scoot over. I want to see your shirt. Okay, is it GOT? Actually, yeah. So it's uh, Jack Skellington. Halloween is coming. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, somebody's ad on Instagram or maybe it was Facebook or whatever had that. And so I had to grab it. So there's another one that I grabbed here recently too. Um, that anybody on Facebook, uh, that saw my story the other day with, uh, the Pluto shirt. I, I got those around the same time, not from the same company, but I got those around the same time. Um, glad you guys like it. So, um, so Victoria Monday, Tom Cruise, Mike looks like Tom Cruise. Um, yeah, that's the first person I was ever really told that I looked like. And I remember the exact moment I was first told that. Um, it was when I was in Air Force Tech School and we had a, a girl come in to take a photo of our class. And I was kind of sitting up on the table and, you know, just kind of the way I was positioned and everything. It's a good photo. and um, And she told me, you know, you in the end, you look like Tom Cruise. I was like, well, really? But I heard that for several, several years after that. And um, real quick here, the funniest um, story associated with that was with is with my son, Colin, when he was four years old and um, wheeling him and my daughter, Ariel. We had one of those long strollers, a double stroller. He was in the front. Ariel was just like a baby at the time. Like she was really little. She's in the back. Um, well, she would have been two. Yeah. So she, she was still pretty young and we're in the Laurel mall in Laurel, Maryland before, before they shut it down, I guess it's gone now. Um, and it was when mission impossible was out the very first mission impossible movie. And for any of you that remember that movie poster, uh, Tom, Tom Cruise was kind of silhouetted in that. It's like, you can still see, you know, his you know features and stuff like that, but it, it was darkened with a light background and Colin pointed at that poster and said, daddy. So, you know, if your own son is mistaking a poster of Tom Cruise for you, it's like, okay, yeah, I, I guess, I guess so. Um, as I've gotten a little bit older, not so much any, he's got a bigger nose, but, um, yeah. <laughs> In any case, Robert Hanna, so you believe doppelgangers are time slips? Not all. I think some, I think 
what we call doppelgangers are a variety of different types of supernatural activity. I'll get into um, another example here in a moment. So, um, yeah, (laughs) did you see the Family Guy episodes with Tom Cruise? He was Stewie's height. Um, Yeah, Tom Cruise is actually quite short. He's like 5'6", so I'm actually taller than he is. Um, All right, in any case, enough of Tom Cruise. Emily Sage. So this is interesting. So Emily Sage was a French school teacher in the 1800s. And there were a number of times where her doppelganger was witnessed by many of the students, not just her, but by many of the students as well. So she's teaching in class and all of a sudden her double appears next to her. And not only did it appear next to her, but she was writing on the chalkboard at the time. And her double also suddenly started acting like she was writing on the chalkboard. But she wasn't actually holding any chalk, or at least none that they could actually see. So a second story with Emily is that... um, the students are all in a well there was a whole there's a whole slew of them on you know these big long tables i don't know if it was like when i've when i've read this story i've read it as almost like they were in the great hall at hogwarts or something because there's great long tables there's 42 of these students um you know sitting there and they could see her through the windows out in the garden she was picking flowers and, and what have you but all of a sudden in that room that they were at, at the end of the room, she suddenly appeared sitting in the chair. And they're like, oh, what the heck? You know, Miss Sage is out there, you know, picking flowers in the garden. How in the world is she suddenly sitting here in the chair? So a couple of the girls went up to go touch her, and they had actually a hard time doing this. So the one girl was like trying to to touch her and she said she felt like some sort of resistance it was cold there was a resistance she couldn't actually touch her and then Miss Sage Emily suddenly just vanished from the chair so not sure if that one I mean it could have been another form of time slip or something like that maybe some sort of projection but I'm, I'm thinking again it's more of a time slip sort of a moment why it would have been kicked off I'm not sure but it seems when these things happen that you know of course the person's in the vicinity so you know with with Gutta he's walking down the road he, um, or traveling down the road and he sees this guy well they're in the vicinity with Emily Sage in the vicinity, you know, at the chalkboard right next to her. Okay, so she's able to do something here, maybe some energy pushed out, and she's able to connect with something at another point in time. Garden to chair. Well, at least that seems to jive with these couple of people. The next one, the next one is really all kinds of crazy. So Pungai Fungi is asking about astral projection. The next story does get into that. Um, and this one is really all kinds of nuts. So, Sister Mary Jesus of Agreda. Now, 
what's really interesting about this is there was a uh, Spanish missionary named Father Alonso. I guess technically he was from Portugal, but he was working for Spain. So he was in the New World, 1600s, out in the New Mexico area. And he meets up with these Jumanos Native Americans, first time that they've had interaction with him. And he's trying to, you know, what all missionaries do, he's trying to proselytize to them. Come to find out, these Jumanos Indians actually already knew many of the Roman Catholic customs. And they actually were saying a number of the prayers and incantations and what have you in their own native tongue. He's like, what in the world? What is going on here? How do you already know these different things? And the Indians told him, well, there's this lady in blue that's been appearing to us for a long time now, and she has taught us all these different things. So, you know, he's flabbergasted. When he heads back to Spain, he basically launches an investigation to to try to find out, okay, what's going on, you know, with this lady in blue. From the description, you know, sounds like a nun. Well, he finds out who this nun is, and this is this Sister Mary Jesus of Agreda. And what she had been doing is when she would, she would essentially go into meditation and when she goes into prayer and all that, um, she would go into these trances, and people around her said that she would be like light as a feather, like you could almost blow her over. Um, but she would go into these trances and was essentially projecting herself across the ocean. So she was there in Spain, but a version of herself, her doppelganger, her twin, her double, was over there in the New World proselytizing, um, you know, trying to convert these different Native Americans. And when she would come back out of the, the trance, she would describe the geography. She would describe how the people looked, you know, all these different, you know, things that were just like spot on. So, you know, this, and you want to talk about some serious projection. I mean, you're talking thousands and thousands of thousands of miles over the ocean into a new world that, you know, she had never been, she had never seen before. Um, you know, that even, you know, the missionaries are going there and interacting with these people. And it's like, they already know this stuff. So apparently she had projected to, you know, I guess they, <clears throat> excuse me, they counted over 500 times, um, New Mexico, Texas, Arizona, that whole uh, southwest region of the United States, of what we now call the United States, of course, but, um, you know, what they were calling New Spain at the time. So, um, yeah, but again, that's not in, you know, that classic sense of doppelganger. It's not a supernatural entity that is taking on your shape or form and trying to mimic you and all that stuff. This is a double of her she's in spain but there is another sister mary out there in the new mexico area area talking amongst these native americans and having enough interaction with them that she's actually able to teach them her faith so absolutely wild but this is a doppelganger so um, yeah, doppelgangers, I think, are more of like these time slips, or more of these astral projections. Doppelgangers are really 
in this sense ourselves in different types of supernatural uh, situations. You know, whether that's a projection or whether it's some sort of time slip or something like that, it, it's ourselves, really. And we just don't realize it at that time. So, um, Pongai Fungi, how, reli how reliable is this story? Um, wouldn't this be considered witchcraft? No. For 400 years, there was a, and I believe it's still going on because I don't think she's been canonized yet, but there has been a active movement for 400 years to have her canonized as a saint in the Catholic Church. So they did not consider it um, witchcraft. What they considered it, because she was a nun, um, and she was basically traveling there in spirit, is they considered it a work of God. So it's, I, I know, it's interesting how in this situation it would be considered because she's, again, you know, teaching the faith to the Native Americans. In this particular case, it's considered an act of God where if it wasn't a nun, you know, proselytizing out to uh, the New World in other situations, yes, it would be considered witchcraft. Yeah, they kind of pick and choose, of course, you know, which is the case when it's actually the same type of, you know, phenomenon and abilities. I get that. But no, in this case, it was, you know, quote unquote, act of God um, and teaching through the spirit is, is what they called it. Totally get that. Um, <clears throat> so Betty Lange, Mike, did sightings of John Wilkes Booth in uh, Italy and Mexico, could that be a doppelganger? Well, I don't know about Italy and Mexico. There were sightings of him in um, Texas and Oklahoma that, um, I mean, not really a doppelganger is, there's a conspiracy theory that uh, he was not killed in that barn in Virginia that he actually escaped the story was fabricated and he actually lived out the rest of his days in Texas and Oklahoma um, I actually cover that in dun, 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 Ghosts and Legends of Oklahoma this book here <laughs> oh, I'll leave it um, yeah it's, it's a really fascinating story um, actress um I can't even think of it. Kathy Bates. Her grandfather actually wrote an interesting uh, book on the matter because he actually was um, very involved with the mummy in, in corpse of this guy who was supposed to be John Wilkes Booth. Of course, when he died, he wasn't John Wilkes Booth. And um, yeah, so it's kind of interesting to have a, the celebrity connection to there. But one of these that was, you know, put on display at the World's Fair in St. Louis and all this crazy stuff. Um, so that wouldn't necessarily be a doppelganger as it is a conspiracy theory that he had actually lived and survived. Um, Alina, I remember watching a movie called The Abandoned, I think. It took place in Russia, the doppelgangers in it. The story was chilling. I did not, and she's asking if I saw it. Um, did I see that? No, I, I didn't see that, so I, I can't comment on that. Um, so, Mr. CO2, uh, do doppelgangers possess their own consciousness? Um, in, in the sense that we're talking about here, if they are um, 
you know, I believe it's like your consciousness, really. So if it's a time slip, it's just yourself at two different moments in time. If it's like Sister Mary Jesus projecting herself, it's her own consciousness basically in a state of meditation and astral projection. She's projected herself you know, across the ocean, really. And so it's her consciousness there, not it's it's her own but it's not a separate consciousness it's that the consciousness at that point in time is no longer in spain it was there in the new world so um yeah if you if you can imagine that type of it's almost like a teleportation right it's um it's absolutely fascinating so um all right so I want to move on to uh, Meg's story here, and I and I do want to talk about um, twins here a little bit, so because I do have some interesting uh, uh, twin connections in a walk in the shadows when talking with shadow people, and um, you know, Keith Bailey, my uh, my friend Keith, had contacted me last night after watching the doppelganger video, and even though I don't really get into twins in that uh keith had had a twin and he's he's one of a twin and so um he he really you know felt that connection to his twin in that moment even though in that moment even though his his twin has passed um there's a deep connection between twins that's really very interesting and fascinating so i do want to talk about that as well and uh, we'll get into that here in a little bit but uh we're about halfway through the show right now bottom of the of the hour and I do want to let those uh, listening to the podcast later on KGRA Radio uh, to thank them for listening to us on KGRARadio.com. All right, so um, let's get into Meg's story here because this is interesting. So Meg's book, uh, The Haunting of 2095, uh, under her pen name, Rosella C. Rowe, uh, and so this is coming out in October, so definitely pick that up. Great, uh, it'll be a great book for Halloween, especially. Very, very interesting uh, doppelganger story that she shared with her mother in it, and so I do want to sh- uh, thank Meg for sharing that with us. And in this, uh, Meg had woken up in the middle of the night because she heard somebody, um, you know, it sounded like putting away dishes. So she's peering down the hall, and she got up, she's peering down the hall, she sees the kitchen light on, she believes that, you know, her mother is up and taking care of this. Her mother would work uh, some late nights, and so she's thinking she came home, working on some dishes, and and that sort of thing. So Meg kind of creeps down the hall and gets to the kitchen, and then all of a sudden she sees her mother coming through the door from the garage, and her mother you know, kind of stands there and stares at her. And Meg's asking, you know, Mom, is is something wrong? And all of a sudden, her mother just, like, does this weird leaning back thing or, or whatever it was. I mean, if Meg's down there, maybe she could explain it a, a little bit better than I. I'm just kind of retelling the story here. And it runs off down the hall. Well, so Meg chases after. Gets to her mother's room and all of a sudden she sees her mother you know laying down there in the bed with her nightgown on and when she had when Meg had seen her come through the back door she was wearing like jeans and you know teal sweater and all this stuff she's like what in the world so you know she's you know poking at her mom 
wakes her up and um, her mother's, you know, asking her, you know, is, is something wrong? And so, you know, Meg's wondering what in the world is going on because she'd just seen her. And Meg's mother explained, well, no, I, I came home early from, from work and, you know, because she wasn't feeling well. And I've actually been asleep for a couple hours. You know, so what is it? Obviously, you know, the person that Meg saw in the kitchen you know, was not, you know, the same person that was laying there in the bed. So, you know, is this a is this a doppelganger, you know, between mother in the kitchen and mother laying down in bed? And so um, this is you know, when Meg first told me the story, this is what popped into my head like immediately is that again, I think this is another time slip in, incident and that, you know, I don't think it was, you know, like, you know, the, the classic, you know, there is an entity that is, you know, taking the form and shape of somebody and has appeared there and all that stuff. Um, I, I think it was another time slip incident in which, you know, whatever the points in time were, you know, Meg's mother comes into the door you know, we have a Meg's mother that's sleeping, that, you know, current time. But another point in time, you know, maybe it was in the past, I don't know. Could have even been the future, I don't know. Comes in the back door, sees Meg standing there and is like, what in the world? You know, either, you know, maybe, you know, she's recognizing it's her daughter at a different age, not sure. And it's just like, this is bizarre. What in the world is this? And as, you know, Meg is kind of reaching out, you know, hey, mom, what's wrong sort of thing. You know, her mom maybe at whatever time frame that was runs off toward the bedroom. You know, so Meg is seeing a glimpse of another point in time. And what's interesting about this is, so if Meg was seeing perhaps something, let's just say it was the past. If Meg was seeing a glimpse of the past because she said it was her favorite jeans and teal sweater so maybe she had had these for for a while um if she's seen a glimpse of the past and you know her mother is like recognizing this is my daughter but an older version you know is kind of bizarre so meg's mother at that point would also be seeing the future and we've talked about this when we talk about um, sometimes with these uh, ghosts and spirits and apparitions that we see where they look at us like we're the ghosts. Well, is that kind of the same thing here that it wasn't necessarily a doppelganger incident, that it was actually a time slip and it was two moments in time coming together for a brief moment and they each saw each other and they're like, what in the world is going on here? So... That's what immediately popped in my head when when she told the story, and um, so and yeah, I see Meg down there in, in the chat, um, kind of fielding some of those questions down there. So um, yeah, so and that's interesting. So I mean, Meg, maybe you can kind of comment on that. So the the one question I had about the story was you heard the dishes, but then you saw her walk through the back door. So it almost makes me wonder if there's like a third thing going on here too. Because if you saw her walk through uh, that garage door into the kitchen, but you had heard the dishes, you know, maybe the energy of the house, because was a haunted, this was a haunted house. So there's definitely a lot of energy going on here. So maybe at that moment, 
in time, well, time's relative, right? <laughs> you know, it's kind of our own construct. Maybe at that moment, you know, you had all this energy kind of fluctuating and maybe in this time slip that was going on, you actually had three different points in time converging between, you know, Meg in the present, the sound of the dishes getting put away whenever that was, and then, you know, this actual you know, visage of Meg's mother walking through that door and in, into the kitchen. So it's, um, there's a lot going on here. It's an absolutely fascinating moment. So, um, yeah, it's very, very cool. Um, and definitely, definitely, uh, get her, get her book. So, uh, Carrie, uh, multiverse. Um, I, I don't think it's multiverse. I don't think is the thing that I that I can't stand. I'll just say this briefly: the thing I cannot stand about the about the multiverse theory. Do I think that these are other are they other dimensions? Well, of course, I also think that um, everything that's happening, uh, past, present, future, is happening concurrently, and there are certain factors that make these things kind of bleed over. So they're all happening at the same time anyway, and there are certain um, moments in which we can kind of get a glimpse of another point in time because it's all happening right now anyway. But the thing that I can't stand about the multiverse theory is that each one of our actions kicks off a new universe. You know, whenever we make a decision that a new universe is kicked off and I can't possibly believe that because we make thousands and thousands of different decisions every single day and so that would mean that there are infinite numbers of different parallel universes created every day because of how many billions of people are here in the earth. I, I can't buy into that. Um, but, um, you know, space time continuum, everything happening concurrently at one time. And there's some sort of maybe energy fluctuation or whatever that makes different moments kind of converge for a, a brief moment. Yeah, I can get into that. So, um, yeah, Betty Lange, deep subject tonight. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's a little bit different than what people uh, conventionally think doppelgangers are because like a, like we started off the show with, with, with Michael Cleary, that has generally been the idea of you know, what people have had about doppelgangers for a long time, that um, it's some other entity that's taking on the shape and form of a person. In that case, with the fairies, they're talking about, well, they're kidnapping the real person to the fairy realm and this you know, person that's here is not actually a person. It's actually a fairy that's taken on the, the shape. That's generally what uh, people have thought these things are, whether, um, like in the uh, video I posted last night, uh, I talked about the Vodagers, which is a, uh, uh, it's North mythology. And the way those worked is that the, the double would appear and act out all of these things before you, and then you'd come by and actually do it. Um, and so this was like some, you know, crazy form of deja vu when, again, if this really, if these incidents really happened, and so they came up with these legends based on this, was this actually, again, another form of time slip, just really, you know, uh, a real narrow point in time where, you know, somebody saw it happen and then boom, it kicked off again. You know, either one way or the other, where whether it was, um, you know, 
past or future that went first or went second, but that time slip was just boom, boom, like back to back like that. You know, maybe. And they came up with this legend of the Vodagers after that. I mean, I don't know for sure because I wasn't there, however, you know, 1,500 years ago or whatever when they came up with that. So, um, all right. Um, Betty Lange, so would seeing an angel also be like seeing a doppelganger? Um, no, because a, um, an angel is a total separate entity, um, from you. So, (laughs) so like, I'm not an angel, but I might see my, you know, my double walk through the door over here because I have previously walked through that door. And so there may be you know, a time slip in which I see myself walk through the door, but that's not, that's not an angel. That's just, you know, me at another point in time. Um, or if I sit down and astral project somewhere and my visage appears somewhere else, again, that's not an angel. Uh, angels are just, they are, you know, separate, uh, you know, divine light entities. So now could there be possible... Yeah, there we go. Now, if that would be an interesting question, if uh, if time doesn't really exist and everything is happening concurrently, and there are uh, different fluctuations of energy that make different points in time converge together, and we see things happening um, at the same time, past, present, future, are there moments in which a uh, an angel could be seen in multiple times so like we'll just say angel gabriel so if you know if angel gabriel is here in one moment and here in another moment you know is that you know, would we see them both or are angels outside the realm of time i don't know <laughs> i don't know that is uh yeah eva geller yes yes a lot of what ifs we could play the what if game all night um all right tom mcnicholas could a shadow person also be a doppelganger uh interesting question i mean if um i mean okay quote unquote true shadow person uh interdimensional beings so is this we're playing another what if game because some shadows that we see are also human spirits um or could they be okay so let's take sister mary jesus here for a moment um because we talk about we talk about human spirits that are unable to fully manifest as a shadow appearing as or (laughs) unable to fully manifest as an apparition appearing as a shadow instead because they can't get enough energy We've even thrown out there the possibility that some of these shadow entities could be um, aliens. You know, they could be extraterrestrials. And for whatever reason, when there's a special means interdimensionally that they're traveling, they're, they're unable to fully form or appear, and they just come off as a shadow. So if somebody is astral projecting, like Sister Mary Jesus, and in that moment, maybe she's not able to get up enough energy or what have you and isn't able to fully form as that lady in blue. Would she come off as a shadow instead? No idea. Maybe. 
<laughs> so in that sense, could somebody who's trying to astral project and can't quite do it, is that then the shadow in that shadow person in the room? It makes you wonder. That's actually an interesting question. So are some of these, I'm going to jot that one down actually, are some of these shadow people actually humans trying to astral project and visit? So, God, Tom, that's a good question. I, I, I mean, honestly, I mean, at first I was like, man, okay, shadow people, doppelgangers. Yeah. Um, but it's actually a good question and, and presents another scenario. So, a lot of the shadow people that are reported are standing there staring, watching. A lot of people who try to astral project, you know, one of their first things that they're trying to do first is just, you know, try to get outside their body and just, you know, be around their body and in their room. And then they eventually go and they visit different places. And sometimes they just want to go in and check in on a loved one. So let's say like a, a, a mother who has an adult daughter, the mother astral projects, she just wants to go see her daughter or maybe she wants to go visit her grandkids and just look in on them. So is it then the grandmother astral projecting to the daughter's or the granddaughter's room just standing there to be like, oh yeah, there's, there's my little girl, there's my little granddaughter, you know, and is that it? Interesting. Very interesting. Good job, Tom McNicholas. <laughs> um, yeah. So that, that turned out to be a really good question, Tom. <laughs> and I'm going to have to throw that one into the upcoming book, The Shadow Dimension. Yep. Um, all right. So um, we'll throw that into the Shadow Dimension course, too. So I haven't talked about anything with that yet. Dave Styles, can they harm you in any way? Um you know, uh, that's that's a good question. So, you know, any of these stories that I've talked about so far um, with Ligutta or Sister Mary Jesus or e even Emily Sage, um, no, even Meg's story, um, you know, she just ran off down the hall. So there, there was no harm involved here. I, I, and we talked about it earlier. There's a lot of the different doppelganger stories of, um, you know, you'll die if you see your double or... Um, or like with, you know, Michael Cleary and similar stories that, you know, they, they think that the, um, the doppelganger is there to do some sort of harm or whatever. And if, if it's just these different supernatural occurrences that it is actually just yourself, well, I mean, are you out to harm somebody that you might appear to or, Goethe sees himself walking down the road um, and realizes eight years later, because he's dressed the same, oh, hell, that was me. Um, no, he's not doing any harm there. It's just, it's mostly just an observation. Uh, with Sister Mary Jesus, she was actually able to teach people because her projection was so strong that she was able actually to have full interactions for long periods of time. I'm, I'm guessing she didn't hurt anybody. So, um, Good question. Um, so, um, Victoria Mondea, Mike, can doppelgangers ever come to warm themselves? Well, I guess if you if you knew for sure, like um, if if you knew 
Huh. If you knew that you could project yourself into like a um, a future time, then maybe you could, but you'd have to, I guess you'd have to know that you could. That's a good question, Victoria. Um, like with Sister Mary Jesus, everything with her was that current point in time. She didn't ever like seemingly project out into the future. Um, with with like Gutta, with Meg's incident, with uh, with Emily Sage, those stories they seem to be more of like time slips. So you you know they weren't really aware of when those points in time were. I mean, Gutta figured it out, you know, as he was the guy you know, eight years later, like, oh my God, that was myself. But when he first saw himself, he didn't realize that. So what's interesting though, is, um, if, so I'm thinking back to that story, um, cause it was his younger self that noticed the man walking down the road, but eight years later, apparently he didn't necessarily see himself, his younger self. Now, if he did, that would be interesting. Could he then, that eight years down the road, interact with his younger self because he knew it was about to happen? You know, or when he realized it, you know, eight years later, had that moment already slipped by? I'm not sure. So I'd, I'd have to see if there's any additional details to that story to, to figure that out. Um, but that would be, that would probably be about the way that you could do that is if you recognize this was, you know, when I saw that person, that was actually me. I'm dressed like that now, so it's it's my older self and get to that particular moment where the younger self saw that person. That would probably be about how you would do that. So, um, all right. Sharon Lane, there are several Catholic saints that were... St- uh, said to be seen in two different places at the same time. Yeah, that's and, and that's what Sister Mary Jesus. They, um, yeah, just like on a, and this is like a a thing that was almost like on steroids with her. So, um, all right, I did we only got about ten minutes left in the show, and I did want to talk a little bit about um, twins here because I did come up like I said with my friend Keith Bailey here last night um you know, his connection with his like with his own twin um in a walk in the shadows uh, I do have the stories with the uh the Haynes sisters uh Tammy and Tanya um and they're twins and they have um you know, they have a pretty significant significant connection and the uh, shadow experiences that they share in that book, those those instances were were connected with them as well. So it's like as you know, one sister was seen, as so was the other, and so they were both seeing the same thing at the same time. So it seemed like their connection also, um, I guess, that shadow entity was also connecting with each of them. And in that particular story, because I had a couple, in that particular story, it had to do with the one's child. And so they were, um, at first they thought it was an omen that he was going to be, that he was going to be taken because he had some health issues. And so they thought this was something that was, it wasn't harmful, um, 
or anything like that, but they were thinking it was more of like an omen that well, he could be going. Of course, they were still hopeful that they could get through it. And there were a number of times I would see the hooded shadow figure walk into into the boys' room. Um, but they never really felt that it was like evil or harmful or anything like that, just something looking over the situation. And then when um, like that, that one doctor's appointment where uh, they went in with the boy and the doctor was going to order the same series of tests again. He did this movement where he kind of like turned his head like something or somebody was whispering in his ear. And then all of a sudden he came back, well, let's run these other tests, actually. And they came back with a different diagnosis. The initial diagnosis was wrong. And after that moment, they never saw the, the shadow entity again. And so they both came to the conclusion because they'd both seen it and you know like the one would babysit the other and all that stuff um they came to the conclusion that this was actually a benevolent entity just watching over the boy and actually is what whispered into the doctor's ear to give him the correct diagnosis or the correct test to run so they could figure out the correct diagnosis so um yeah for those that think that all shadow people are are evil no 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 no. (laughs) so but their connection as twins had a, a lot to do with that, and they've had a lot of interesting uh, paranormal experiences over the years that that really parallel each other. Um, and, and you hear these stories from twins a lot, how you know they feel you know these different connections with each other, even over great distances. And I don't know if we have anybody um, down in the chat room right now that happens to be to be twins, and. Um, you know, so I did want to mention this because Keith and that because that video really did uh, affect him. Um, so I'm not a twin. <laughs> um, my sister and I are considered Irish twins. I know we were talking fairies earlier. She and I are considered Irish twins because we're born less than a year apart. Um, but she and I couldn't be like more opposite from each other. <laughs> so, um, I mean, we grew up together. We we're each other's playmates and, and all of that stuff. But we're very, very different people. So I don't know necessarily think that like the quote unquote Irish thing, Irish twin thing has those type of connections. But those that were in the womb together um, so many times, they seem to like really have those connections. I one guy I work with uh, is a twin and he has his sister is his twin and he talks about that you know from time to time so um, very very interesting um, so uh, a couple other questions here that uh, we'll get into I guess I missed thank you quarantine ghost um, Sharon Lane does this happen some places on earth more than others uh, that's an excellent question. I'm not sure. So the stories that I've mentioned here so far, I mean, they're all over, right? Um, you know, you're talking with Germany, France, Spain, America. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty much all over. What I would say is that um, those locations, you know, we've talked about it many times before when we talk about like ancient sites of powers and um telluric currents people you know misname as as ley lines um those places that ha- those locations that have those greater energy flows um if you were to tap into that energy you would probably have a 
uh, a better time of um, trying to make that happen. Um, I'd have to get dig a little bit more on the the church where Sister Mary Jesus of Agreda was at because um, those ancient churches and temples and and what have you were built on those sites. The the idea uh, back then was to be able to tap into that energy that was down there and, um, and be able to, of course, use that and manifest that within the temple or the church. So, you know, if she's at one of those locations going into this meditative trance and projecting herself, she may have been able to tap into that energy at that location to make this a um, to make this a greater uh, type of projection. You know, maybe she was able to go over those distances because of tapping into that type of energy. So, um, so possible, but I can't answer that for sure. Um, Alina, how would you react if you literally see your doppelganger, Mike? Um, <laughs> I would be like, "Cool, finally!" Because um, I've always, I've always wanted to talk to a future or past version of myself. So yeah, if I saw a future or past version of myself walk into the door, I'd be like, "Cool, awesome, let's talk, dude." You know, I, I would be totally into that. Actually, <laughs> it's something I've always wanted to do. It's a bucket list item. Um. So Victoria, so the doppelganger dies when the person dies? Question mark. Um, oh, um, good question. Because again, if time is, if time is working or running concurrently, past, present, future, well, one thing we all do is we die at some point. Um, yeah, we're, we're not getting out of this alive, right? So there is that chance of course that even if you die you're you're still going to be seen somewhere this is almost like the ghost right so again so you walk into a room you see a woman in a victorian dress she sees you like you're the ghost time slip you're just seeing another point in time they're seeing the future you're seeing the past they're seeing the future so that woman is she's she's dead but you're seeing you're, there's a time slip going on so you're actually seeing her so in that sense um yeah so not necessarily i wouldn't say die really i would say that you're able to see the resonance of that energy of the person you know whether they their actual physical self is alive or dead at that point is kind of relative so, um, all right. So I think we are going to wrap it up. Tim Schoen, okay, good question. What is the difference, if any, between a time slip and a residual haunting? So a residual haunting is just a moment in time playing out. There's like zero interaction. You're just seeing um, like a recording playback. Um where more with a time slip, there's a recognition. You're actually able to interact a little bit, even if it's just like a, oh my God, and they're, oh my God, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but when it's just, you're seeing an apparition walk through the door every single time, you know, 10 o'clock, you know, Tuesday nights, you know, that's, that's the residual haunting. And there's just, there's no change. It's just, if you, if you believe stone tape theory, and if that, 
really is what a residual haunting is, is that the energy is trapped there within the masonry, within the metal over there, whatever it is, and there's something, we don't know what the catalyst is, to kick it off at that same time every time. You know, that's, it's, just, it's just a recording, where with the time slip, it's the consciousness is there. So, all right, we're at the hour mark. We'll go ahead and wrap this up. Really appreciate all of you this evening. It's been a fantastic conversation. You guys had amazing questions. Absolutely enjoyed this.